Welcome back, everyone, to our Hillside podcast titled What's Next? And we're talking in relation to Pentecost Sunday. Pastor Mike was the preacher and just did a fantastic job bringing the word out of uh, the series that we are currently doing from the book of First John. And so, Mike, it's good to have you today. Welcome. Thanks. Good to be on. That's great. And you're sporting some new uh, headphones that uh, are, uh, you know, kind of like to that next level, right? I, I am. Yep. I've been keeping my eye on these for a while and they came on sale. So uh, took the plunge. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Well, you're looking like real, real young, man. You're staying young. Thanks. So even even for a geriatric millennial. A geriatric millennial. If you have the opportunity to listen to the message or if you did listen to it, uh, you will have heard that Pastor Mike is in that category, a geriatric millennial. Um, I, I guess you call that past future. Uh, I'm not sure what you call that, but uh, anyhow, it is real, I guess. Eh? <laughs> I guess so. I, originally, they're going with Zenial. I like that much more than geriatric, but uh, I, I guess they want us to feel more distinguished, older. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, one foot, one foot in the past and one foot in the future. Right. So you're all, you're all set. Well, actually just even that phrase by itself is pretty powerful because as you took us to the word, uh, we can see how it was applicable for that day. Mm -hmm. And in that time for what the church and uh, those that were preaching had to face and guess what? It's still true today. Uh, And I think it will continue to be true because there is always that uh, group that will want to uh, discredit uh, the truth that we're going to share about today. So uh, you did a great job. Uh, We went to the book of 1 John chapter 2, and you set us up there reading from the 20th verse. And it was just very, very powerful as we spoke about the Holy Spirit. And again, with this being Pentecost Sunday, and you set it up really by saying so many times we, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing wrong to do this, we will talk about the Acts 2 experience, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and yet there's much more or something maybe more distinct that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Uh, so why don't you just kind of set that up for us again about how easy it is to look at one focus and, and maybe overlook or minimize what was shared today so why don't you start there yeah thanks so like one of the parts that i loved about the passage we're looking at and how it played into acts chapter two is the reminder that the whole purpose of the work of the holy spirit is to be a witness or a testimony to jesus as messiah as christ as god in human form Uh, and it's so often that when we talk about the holy spirit and the works of the holy spirit that we talk about the power, the miracles, the healings, the the sound of the rushing wind and the tongues of fire from Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2. But we forget that when the rushing wind came and the tongues of fire came, what the disciples did with that power is they went out and they gave testimony to who Jesus was so that people could hear it within their own language. And 3,000 were added to their number because the power of the Holy Spirit led to the witness or the testimony of who Jesus said he was and that's what jesus even said to the disciples in acts chapter 1 verse 8 saying you know it's the 
Spirit's going to come upon you so that you can be my witnesses, so you can give testimony to who I am. So the whole purpose of the Spirit coming is to lead us into and keep us in the truth of who Jesus is. And it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the miracles and the, the magnificent signs and wonders, and those aren't bad things. But even Jesus, when he was doing work on earth and the religious leaders came to him and they said, give us a sign. He said, I'm not going to give you a sign except for the sign of Jonah saying, you guys get too wrapped up in the signs. You get too wrapped up in the miracles, too wrapped up in the power displayed in ways that you can't do it, that you miss that the whole point of the healings, the whole point of the power demonstrated through signs and wonders was to bring testimony to who I am as the son of God. And so on Pentecost Sunday today, and as I was reading through first John chapter two and, uh, and how people were focused on the antichrist, not realizing that they were creating little antichrist, little ways that they were, um, going away from the truth that the whole point of the power and the presence of the Holy spirit is to keep us in the truth. It's not about the healings as great as those are. It's not about the miracles, except for that the healings and the miracles point to who Jesus is. Yeah. And you bring a great uh, perspective for the context of that time, which actually goes up to an earlier verse, verse 18, because you just referenced it, and that is kind of the spirit of the Antichrist, mm -hmm. and that there were those that were uh, making statements about who Christ was. And talk about that a bit, because I think that's important to have that foundation as we look into this passage. Yeah, so there were two basic beliefs that were coming out of the church as there was integration between Greek and Hellenistic thought and Jewish thought, uh, known as Gnosticism and Docetism. Uh, and both of them in their own ways basically came to the belief that uh, either Jesus was not fully human or Jesus was not fully God. Uh, and yet the claim of the gospel is that God came in human form, came to be fully human, to identify with us, to take on our sins, our struggles, to die the death that we deserve, the condemnation for our sins. And then to be resurrected, the, de the demonstration of his godhood, that he is powerful over death, that he is of life itself. And so uh, the, these people in the churches that were either expressing Jesus as not, God, as not human or not as God, John's saying that's not the truth. The truth is Jesus demonstrated he was fully human, but also fully God. And that's the whole purpose of the spirit to bring testimony to that, to demonstrate and to remind us that Jesus is, we claim to be fully human, fully God. Yeah. And that's a great foundation, which then leads into this distinction or difference that is mentioned in verse 21, uh, the difference between truth and lies. Mm -hmm. And verse 22 says, and who is a liar? And so you begin to take us into that journey of understanding, okay, what is truth? But then what are the lies? So you gave actually three kind of distinct points on that. So why don't we start with the first one there in verse 22, anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Mm -hmm. So maybe start with that, because that was a, a, a lie that we have to confront with truth. Yeah, so that lie really comes from um, understanding how the church was developing in that time and how they use Christ to distinguish from Messiah. We often use them interchangeably because they stand for the anointing, the anointing of the spirit, the anointing of God coming at, in human flesh. 
Uh, but what was happening is Messiah, and even today in Jewish circles, Orthodox Jewish circles, they're still expecting a Messiah. But the thought was never that the Messiah would be God himself, but that the Messiah would be someone who God had appointed, that God's spirit would come upon and be used to lead the, the nation of Israel into freedom from religious and political oppressors. So if you think back to the book of Judges, they're, they're expecting the Messiah to be very much like one of those judges, probably more like Samuel uh, in the way that he led both as a prophet and almost in a king state role or like David, um, you know, very kingly, but also a bit of a prophetic nature. And they were expecting it to be of the line of David, but they're expecting someone very human and still expecting somebody very human. But as the church developed and recognized that, okay, Jesus came and claimed to be God himself uh, and demonstrated that through the work in his life and through the death and resurrection of his body, uh, then all of a sudden they said, okay, there's more to this messiahship than just a human that the spirit has come and given guidance to, but it is God himself in human form. So they began to use Christ as a way to say, okay, it's the messiah, but is more than expected. It's deity in human form. Uh, and so when he's saying to here, those who uh, say that Jesus is not the Christ, they're saying that not only are they saying he's not the Messiah, the one that they were expecting to come, but they're also saying he's not God. He's not deity. Um, and that's the lie, because Jesus was very clear in his expectation that people saw him as fully human, but also as fully God. Yeah, that's good. Good word. And then that takes us to the second point, which is continuing in verse 22. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is the Antichrist. You, you started to unpack that. So why don't you go there? Yeah. So when we look at anyone who denies the Father and the Son, it's those who look at uh, Christianity uh, or especially monotheism as a lie. Like they either believe in uh, an atheistic belief and there is no God or somebody from this day and age, which actually were uh, pluralist or um, the pantheists, they believed in many gods. They believed uh, that there were gods for different nations, different places. There were gods for different uh, types of seasons and different types of um, attributes, gods of war, gods of love, gods of justice, gods of mercy, gods of, 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 um, of um, the harvest, all types of different gods that represented different parts. Um, and in this, John is writing and saying, there's only one God represented through the Father and the Son, but there's only one God. And so if you are saying, well, that's the God of the Jews or that's the God of the Christians, but there are other gods, there are certainly others who have set themselves up as gods, uh, other that we have, um, you know, professed to be gods, but no one who is actually God the supreme almighty being, except for the father and son. And so if you are denying or saying that there is more than the father and son as God, then you have set yourself up against Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, you bring that forward to today in our culture and people might go, well, I don't, I don't worship all these gods uh, mm -hmm. like you're talking about here in scripture. However, if we were to use the word idols instead mm -hmm. of gods, I think we could start to say, well, there are quite a few idols that people do pursue and believe that those are uh, more important than anything else in this world. And so even though 
the the way it looks may shift over time and over cultures there's still something within us that wants to have multiple things that give us satisfaction give us joy uh, that we're devoted to and therefore it can continually minimize the importance of the father and the son as the true ones to be worshiped right so yeah, yeah. it just it just changes over time yeah and a, and a part of that is those idols often bring us comfort yeah uh, or we can at least comfortably comfortably address them as the things that we want you know we don't have to call them idols or gods but they're the things that we want they bring us comfort and they don't challenge our worldview at all because they are simply materialistic things usually that we are pursuing or or things of status or, or something like that. Um, but when we look at this, we see that there are a lot of people who have rejected the Father and Son as God because they are uncomfortable with some of the truths you then have to wrestle with when we look at the world, when we look at the strife, when we look at the suffering, when we look at the wars and the hunger and the way that humans treat each other, especially people who treat each other and claim to know God, claim to know the Father and Son, and so there are those who have said they deny the father and son just because they can't accept what that might mean as a worldview or, or the, the hardship of working through that or looking at people who have claimed to be followers of the father and son saying, well, if that's what the father and son is about. I want nothing to do with that. Uh, so hmm. that's also very much a part of the Antichrist and setting up idols because it's so much easier to accept the idols that bring us moments of joy, something fleeting, something that doesn't really challenge the world view at all in our lives. Yeah, that's good. You went on to the 23rd verse and mentioned like a third point, anyone who denies the son. And so that was a key point uh, that, of course, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us the truth. But if we're not willing to listen, uh, we'll believe a lie. So talk about that a bit. Yeah. And this one was the one that was probably the hardest to preach you because it's the one that we know is most culturally unacceptable to right. say, yeah. which is that the truth is that Jesus is the only way to the father. He was very clear on that. He didn't, you know, say, well, I might be a way to the father or there's me plus others. Um, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He was very clear on that. And so John is reminding us through the power of the Holy Spirit that that is the truth and anything else is a lie. In our culture, we call them opinions. We have to keep truth subjective. We have to say, well, Jesus is my way to the Father. But you know what? You might be right. Maybe, maybe Muhammad came after him and he's a good prophet and he claims that Jesus was just a good prophet. And, and you know, you believe that, but also believe Jesus is his way and we'll both end up at the Father, right? We believe in the same God. Um, or uh, it comes to spiritualism, right? Like, I'm a very spiritual person. I just don't believe that Jesus is God, but it's okay. As long as we're spiritual, we're going to all end up in the same place. Or uh, the concept of, of nirvana and Buddhism and this, like, as long as we are at peace with one another, we will all enter into a, a blissful and peaceful state at some point uh, in alignment with the universe in nirvana. And, and John's like, no, like, those aren't subjective truths. You can call them opinions, but at the end of the day, the correct term for these things are lies. They are antichrist. They are against Christ and the teaching and the truth of who he said he was and who he is, which is God who came fully human, but also fully God um, to live, to die, to be resurrected, to bring us freedom and redemption. And so 
it's hard for us because in our culture, we can't call them lies. We're not supposed to call them lies. We're supposed to call them opinions. We're supposed to call them subjective truths because we can't scientifically prove it in any way. Um, but John says we have to call it what it is. It's a lie. If it's not Jesus as Christ, then it's a lie. And, you know, as one who understands, we both are preachers and we proclaim the word of God. Um, it's not our opinion either. Uh, that's mm. the that's the reality. We are simply presenting what the Word of God says. And yeah, there are times when you can read God's Word, and it is hard. It is difficult, and uh, it makes us have to really interpret and, and pray through uh, passages when we preach them. But these are fairly clear here. I mean, this is like John, who was with Jesus, and he was, you know, the one that would understand. He wrote a lot of things down of what Jesus did and taught. And so, you know, we, we have to say, okay, this is not our view. This is the word of God that we're presenting. And so we have to stand upon that. And uh, so you did a great job really helping us to keep coming back to that truth. Uh, you also kind of dove in a little bit. And even mm. though this is not the place to maybe uh, go into a great deal of depth, but especially this idea of uh, kind of gaining new knowledge, um, mm -hmm. you know, because there is something very powerful about that. If, if I have the ability to know something or to, to hear above and beyond, you know, and I, and I have information, uh, information is power. And so it's like, well, if I if I have a special word or a special knowledge or or there's something that that so and so is speaking that that truly I, I know it's a conspiracy. I know that there's a theory here that I need to really buy into. Uh, you didn't go in that into that a whole lot. We don't maybe have a lot of time here as well. But uh, speak to that, because I think that's it's good to say, OK, what is the basic core message we need to hold on to versus these additional words of knowledge or words of information that could come to us? Yeah, so so very simply, it's that Jesus is Christ. Uh, yeah. Anything beyond that is an overcomplification of the gospel. Uh, and so, but we as humans have always sought to make the simple complex. We've always felt like there's something that was being kept from us. And so when we look all the way back to Genesis chapter three and the serpent came to Adam and Eve and he's like, isn't there, you know, why can't you eat of the knowledge of, of the tree of good and evil? And, you know, uh, Eve said, well, he said we would die. And it seems like, no, you're going to, the serpent's like, you're going to get better knowledge. You're going to have secret knowledge. You're going to be like God himself. You're going to know the things that God knows. And so they ate of that tree desiring the secret knowledge the the knowledge that god had forbidden them from because they expected that it was going to bring them more in their life and really all it brought them was shame uh it brought death it brought destruction it brought nakedness it did not actually bring joy it didn't bring truth it just brought chaos um and so that's what's happening in our lives is ever since then we've constantly struggled to find more secret knowledge to really know what god knows in the way that god knows it uh, instead of understanding that god revealed his truth and it's really quite simple we just don't like how simple it is and so when we are faced with um 
these beliefs like the Gnostics and Docetism around whether God was, uh, whether Jesus was just spirit or just human, or when we're faced with uh, conspiracy theories or people who say, I have heard the spirit say, and they, they speak something that seems like it could be truth, but it's contrary to the scriptures or it just, it's not what the spirit is about. The spirit is about revealing the truth of who Jesus is, and it keeps it very simple. Um, it keeps it very much to the redemptive story of what God is doing and bring us back into relationship with him. Hmm. So, I mean, verse 24 really kind of gives us a great summary and and now step that we just need to keep doing, you know, hey, remain in the faithfulness of this teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, don't let there be other things that take you down certain trails, but remain in this basic truth of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, of who Jesus is, why he came, and don't get on all these tangents. And so mm -hmm. uh, and I know you used the word remain, uh, the word reinvigorate in your message, uh, just really letting the Spirit of God help us to see clearly uh, and if we've gotten off track, if we've kind of lost that focus, if, if the culture around us or the pressures of others uh, basically are kind of uh, pushing us to the point where we go, well, I don't know if I should be believing that or not. Uh, this is a good word to, hey, remain true to the teaching. It's, it's basic. It's simple. It's not ignorant. It's not simple ignorant in that there's no mm -hmm. basis to it. It is just let's not overcomplicate it and let's let the spirit teach us on that um so great word great message again uh, any final things you want to say before we wrap up today uh just sticking with that whole remain and reinvigorate remind reminder that that's what john really stressed even in his gospel john chapter 15 as he's coming up to the the, the betrayal and the crucifixion and the resurrection of jesus christ Jesus reminds us to remain in him, that he is a vine and we are the branches, that the sustenance of our life comes through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So good. So good. So thank you for the good word. And I hope this has been helpful for those that are able to listen to it and that they will allow the word of God to uh, be used by the Holy Spirit to bring the truth. Uh, to our lives in new and fresh ways. So uh, thank you so much, brother. And uh, let's have a great week ahead. Have a great one. Okay, take care.